All right, all right, all right, fire them up. We go live in five. It's time for ignition and straight up automobile pimping. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Box Office Bliss, where we review, rank, and poke fun at some of our favorite movies and TV franchises. My name is Rusty, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Josh. Josh, how you doing, man? Doing pretty good, just hanging out, and man, we hungry. (laughs) We are hungry indeed, because we are going to review Too Fast, Too Furious, of course, the follow-up to our last episode We are going to be going through the entirety of the Fast and the Furious franchise, including the video game and the animated movie or the animated TV show. I don't even know what it is, but we're going to review them all because we love the Fast and the Furious films. Yeah. Oh, Oh, I just got my copy of the game in the mail. I I saw you post the picture of it as well. Uh, It was like 15 bucks on Gamefly, right? I was like, yeah, you can pass it up at that point. Yeah, I was like, we got to get this. Got to get it as soon as I can and got a good deal on it. So even if it's terrible, hey, it's going to be fun to play and talk about it on the show. As much as I love the movies, I couldn't stomach $60 for that game. I just I couldn't get myself to do it. <laughs> yeah, me either. I, and I would have been disappointed if I paid 60 and then like three weeks later, it's $15 on Gamefly. I would have been like, really? Yeah, so. <laughs> exactly. Well, again, we are here to review Too Fast, Too Furious. I think I'd argue that... This is kind of the black sheep of the series. Both this and Tokyo Drift are kind of the movies that for fans of the series or people that just kind of passively watch them kind of choose to forget about these two movies, which I'd argue that Too Fast the Furious is one of the more memorable movies. There's tons of fun moments. And of course, this is when Tyrese Gibson enters the movie and enters the whole franchise, which uh, he's definitely one of my favorite characters. But Josh, just like last time, I brought some fun trivia to the table. And I, uh, I don't think that the facts this time are as exciting or as wild as the first movie, but uh, there's some fun trivia facts that I want to kind of share with you. And hopefully some of them uh, are new to you, things you didn't know going into this movie, because I think, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, this is one of your favorites. This is one of the ones you watched the most growing up. Is that, is that true? It's the one I've watched the most, and it's one of the more quotable ones, I would say. So it has a nice, like pretty good place in my heart i would say i don't know if it's my favorite but every time i pop this on i just have a fun time watching it and i'm laughing the whole time just a big dumb grin on my face during this whole movie so it's one of my favorites even though it's probably in my ranking it might not be like number even my top three i don't even know yet but yeah (laughs) (laughs) it'll be interesting once we get around to ranking them because well, for me, growing up, like I really enjoyed watching this one with my sister. Really, the first two, my sister and I watched over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Going through this one again, I'm not sure like if it was as fun as it was when I first watched it, or at least when I was a kid watching it, um, but it's still a heck of a fun time. So anyways, some quick fun facts here to get into. The first one that I have here, can you believe it, is uh, this was the last Fast and the Furious movie to be released on VHS. Do you have this on VHS? Um, I don't. I I might have. That's hard, that's hard to say because the transition between VHS and DVD was so like long. You know what I mean? So I might have been yeah. DVD. I'm pretty sure we had it on DVD. I I think my grandparents had that classic VHS DVD combo, 
you know oh yeah for that you used to, you could used to buy at walmart and stuff i we had one of those or they had one of those and i remember watching it over there at their house because they had one of those gigantic like one of the first widescreen big screen tvs so they oh yeah had like the projector lamp in the back and everything so it was humongous and i would watch you know movies and, and play like games over there i remember playing like red dead redemption and stuff over there because that tv was so amazing and I'm pretty sure that it was a DVD copy, but I could be mistaken. It could have been VHS. It's hard to tell. You remember the first DVD you ever got? First DVD was Toy Story. I remember. Really? I remember that. Yes. I remember. That's a we, first DVD. We had a copy of the VHS copy, and then, the, of course, it came out on DVD later on because it was, you know, 19, that movie released in 1995. So... Mm-hmm. I do remember we had the VHS copy in it. We watched it so much that it had a lot of tracking errors and stuff. You know how it gets all warbly and stuff after a while when you watch a VHS. Yeah. I think that my mom bought it for us just so we could have an extra copy of it. And I was the one who watched it the most. But yeah, that's a great movie. How about you? What was, what was your first DVD? My first DVD, I remember going over to um, kind of the cabinet where we had all of our movies stored and... I really think it was like, this is going to be weird and don't judge me for this. It was like a Three Stooges collection of DVDs. My dad was a huge fan of the Three Stooges. So I remember, you know, Mo Curly and uh, whatever the third Three Stooges was. I don't even remember. I just remember kind of a collection of DVDs for that. Some of the other earliest ones I remember having were like the Time Machine uh, timeline with uh, Paul Walker himself. Um. Gosh, I don't know. I'd have to like go back and see because I have another a couple others like rumbling in my mind. And I have to go back and see like when DVDs first came out versus when these movies released because they'd probably those timelines would probably go together. But yeah, I, I just had a flash of that movie and I think we had it on DVD, but it might it was probably not the first one, but it's a Nickelodeon movie called Clockstoppers. Did you ever watch that? yeah yeah Yeah, i remember watching that so much and just being like i wish i had that clock you know because it could stop time and people he he cut like someone like he had a bully and he was spray painting he like cut the spray paint and sprayed him in the face after he unfroze time and stuff i I don't know i just remember that movie being a blast that's awesome yeah this is all just a tangent but hey whatever (laughs) we're gonna get a lot of those on box office bliss but let's keep going with the fun facts so the other one i have here Another little trivia question for you. Um, this is the 16th film when it was released in 2003. But can you name the highest grossing movie of the year 2003? I'm trying to think like when The Lord of the Rings came out. It was it was after that or... I see, I don't remember, man. I don't know. I really am terrible with dates. No, you're right. It was Lord of the Rings Return of the King with $1.14 billion that year. And uh, runner-up yeah. to that was uh, Pixar favorite of mine, Finding Nemo. And then oh, I love that, Finding Nemo. Oh yeah, who doesn't? Yeah. And, and then after that was Matrix Reloaded. But uh, kind of funny that you know Too Fast Too Furious was like knocking on uh, Aragorn's door, almost making it up there in the top ten. So kind of interesting bad. there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so these other ones get into kind of a little bit of the chaos behind the scenes with the Fast and the Furious franchise. So Universal Studios had two different scripts commissioned for this film. The first one actually featured Vin Diesel, who was, of course, in the first movie, while the second script 
did not in case, of course, he didn't return. And it's reported that Diesel was offered up to $25 million to reprise his role as Dominic Toretto in this second movie, of course, directed by John Singleton, who directed uh, Boys in the Hood, of course. Then he later directed uh, Tyrese Gibson in some like Baby Boy or something like that, some motorcycle movie. Uh, but anyways... Hmm. Diesel actually declined to return because he wasn't impressed with the script. Kind of similar, actually, to the first movie. He almost didn't even do the first Fast and the Furious movie because he wasn't impressed with the script until he kind of came in. I kind of took a hatchet to a lot of the script. But he stated that uh, he started to think that the first Fast and the Furious was, quote, a classic, kind of like Rebel Without a Cause. And if they sequelized it the way the studios were doing at the time, just slapping a story together, it would ruin the chance that the first movie would become a classic. So he went on to film triple X instead. That's crazy. <laughs> Which actually is. <laughs> I, I, I like triple X. That's, that's actually a pretty, it's a solid action movie. I wouldn't say it's like one of the best ever or anything, but it's a good watch. But yeah. just, just thinking of where the series go, has went, you know, since then and how the mindset must've changed, you know, for him um, later on down the line, because him saying that at the beginning and now what we're having nine coming out soon or whenever that ends up coming out. Um, yeah, that's crazy. Well, clearly this that's, that's... is not an important thing anymore considering they're going to space now. Like Vin Diesel, come on, man, you've got better ideas than that, right? Maybe that is his idea. I think they're just, I don't know. I think they're just amping it up more and more. I think that's what they try to do. They keep the, the center cast, you know, the focus on, you know, togetherness and family. And then the rest is just, let's try to try to turn the dial up a little bit more until eventually they go to space. And I'm assuming uh, have time travel too, and bring back Paul Walker. Well, that'd be inevitable, but I only if they could do it in real life, because mm, I can't have his brother yeah. trying to CGI themselves into the movie like they did in uh, seven. Can't do it again. Yeah. And then I, I just miss Paul Walker saying, cause what's up, cuz? <laughs> he said that so much in this movie how's it going cuz <laughs> yeah that. yeah for the number of times like you if you played a drinking game for the number of times bro is said in this movie bro man bro and man oh my goodness you'd be on the floor the number of times they say that in this movie but moving right along here again just going forward with kind of the script edits in uh trying to cast the movie John Singleton, of course, the director, originally wanted rapper Jerul to reprise his Edwin character from the original movie, but Jerul turned it down, uh, saying, or at least this was Singleton's um, side of the story, Jerul told him that he's too big for the role, which led Singleton to create the, uh, how do you pronounce his name, Tej, Tej Parker? Yes, Tej, Tej, yeah. Who, of course, is ludicrous. He was ultimately cast in place of rule in this case but what's also interesting so Tej Parker of course Ludacris steps into that role and of course he's still into the movies or in the movies going into nine another favorite of mine but uh 50 cent was considered for the part later taken by Tyrese Gibson which I don't know a lot about 50 cents acting career all I know is that when I was 10 years old into club was playing on repeat on my Walkman uh but this is a movie right 50 uh Get Rich or Die Trying. Yeah, he did Get Rich or Die Trying, and I've never seen the movie, but I did play 50 Cent Blood on the Sand. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, it's actually a pretty decent little license game. It's not too bad. Uh, there's a cussing button. You hit a button, and he says a cuss word, so you know it's a good game. 
<laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> no, but Amazing. I mean, I have no idea if he's a good actor, but I cannot imagine anybody else filling the shoes of Tyrese, especially in this movie. It's like, it feels, I don't know. He is like the heart and soul of this movie, in my opinion. He really is. And he just brings a different energy to not only this particular movie, but even later movies in the series that... I don't like 50 cent would have been one of those cases where he would have been a one and done. I think he would have been in this movie and then he would have wanted so much money in the later films. They would have just been like, listen, get lost. We're going to write you out of the movie. You can't do this anymore. We're Tyrese. And he's just happy to be there. Like he yeah. is just having the time of his life. I feel like the Tyrese Gibson we see in this movie is the Tyrese Gibson we see on the real streets. Like he's just having the time of his life riding, eating a bunch of snacks because as Josh said in the beginning of the episode, he's hungry. <laughs> and I just think like he's so over the top, but in the best way. I don't know. I I just I just have have fun watching him in this I, and playing against Paul Walker. Trying you know Paul Walker's trying to be su- kind of tough and serious, and then you have what's up? You know what are you doing? Essays and stuff like that. All those crazy lines he has, and yeah, it, yeah. it's just too fun. Yep, absolutely. A couple other little tidbits here. So to keep the feel of the movie interesting, director John Singleton, he often encouraged the actors to improvise during filming. So many of the humorous moments we see were actually ad-libbed, which I totally could see, you know, Tyrese Gibson ad-libbing probably like 60% of his lines in this movie. Yeah, just uh, in the when when they first meet the FBI guys, like when he first does and he goes over there and he grabs a snack and he puts his hand in there, he goes, so what's up? And he starts eating like that. And everybody's just looking at him like, what the hell? Yeah. So I could see him mm-hmm. improvising that just right there on the spot. You know, I'm sure the director is like sitting behind the camera, just laughing. And everyone's like, well, should we reshoot the, the shot? And he's just like, no, let's just keep this in. Like, whatever. You know, yeah. he's just doing what he's going to do. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that happened for so many other scenes. Another fact, I think we had a similar one for the first movie with uh, Jordana Brewster and uh, one of the other actresses, I think Michelle Rodriguez. Uh, so before production of this film began, Devin Aoki, who plays, already lost her name, one who drives the little cute pink car. Suki. Suki, yeah. So she actually did not have a driver's license nor any driving experience before filming this movie. I mean, I guess if some people, if, especially if you live in a big city, like if they're from New York or California, they probably take like the transit a lot, you know, or walk to their jobs and stuff so they they probably don't need to drive you know why do i need a driver's license if i can just get on a bus and go for 10 minutes and get where i need to go so i i get it very true very true now this last fact i have um i just found it pretty interesting but i think it's also just a testament to who paul walker is so at the end of the first race with which um josh will talk about here shortly Mm -hmm. uh brian power slides toward the crowd and Paul Walker actually performed this stunt himself, among many others, in this particular film and the first movie and later movies on the line because he was a big street racing fan and actually one of the better drivers on set. So even some of the stunt drivers, uh, Paul Walker was better than them. So he did some of his own stunts, including that one, uh, which I thought was pretty interesting. That's awesome. He's the Jackie Chan of uh, Fast and the Furious, doing his own stunts. And he is. But uh, hopefully everyone found some of those facts interesting. Again, I didn't find them to be as comparable to the first movie, but I'm sure they will just get crazier and more interesting as we go down the line. Josh, I think I'll go ahead and pass the baton to you so we can get into the script, the crazy, crazy plot of this movie. Oh. <laughs> 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 Inject those cuz! <laughs> 
we start this movie off with a big race. And it shows uh, Brian has fleed LA, the Los Angeles and the LAPD after letting Dominic Toretto off. It takes place chronologically after the first movie. So this is him in Miami now. And there's this giant race and it starts off with Ludacris. We'll go live in five. What does he say? Straight up automobile pimping. I don't know the line. I remember it from the soundtrack. I used to listen to the soundtrack so much. And that's like at the beginning of it. Do you know that? Yeah. Yeah. So he says that quote and then they do their uh, race. They have, you know, very fast and the furious. Like they do like a pan of the entire race, like all the people lining up. And then Brian comes in and everybody's like, oh, my God. No, wait. Do they call him? I can't remember. Yeah. So basically a bunch of people are lining up and Ludacris is like, yo, I'm going to call my boy. And then he calls Brian. He's like, yo, Brian, you want to race tonight? He's like, you know, I need the money, bro. He's like, I'll be there in 12. And then of course he like drives down the highway and his souped up uh, neon blue light vehicle. Uh, and he rolls up and everyone, here's the thing I don't understand about this movie. So Brian rolls up, man, everyone's cheering him. Everyone respects him. Suki is like, oh shit, it's Brian. Everyone's <laughs> freaking out that he's there because he's going to just burn everyone. But how the heck did he get out of jail? Yeah, I know. Because when he let it go, they kind of just like they allude to it the later in the movie where they're like, yo, you're the one that let that one guy go in L.A. But of course, they never mention actually Dominic Toretto because Vin Diesel's apparently out of the picture entirely. Mm-hmm. But like, did he get locked up? Did he just because he was a cop? They just said, I will let you off, but don't let it happen again. I don't know. It just seems like a giant plot hole that we never really addressed in this movie. But actually. There is a in-betweener like short. I forgot about it. I just popped into my head that actually explains how it gets to Miami. Oh, really? Yeah. So maybe we could watch that before we do uh, Tokyo Drip and have a little conversation about that. Because I think it actually is like a little 20 minute like thing that was included on the DVD, like a side feature. <laughs> yeah. And it just basically shows him. I haven't watched it. I just knew. I just know about it. It's called the Turbocharged Prelude for Too Fast and Too Furious. And it's a short film and it uses archival footage of Vin Diesel because he wasn't around from the first film. And it basically was included on the DVD, like I said. And it has a little, you know, storyline between the two. And it's actually on YouTube. It's uh, what? six minutes long. That's it. That's interesting. A, yeah. supposed to explain the little uh, time gap there. Because I literally put in my notes, like, how did Brian get out of jail? <laughs> I just didn't, I didn't get it. I completely forgot about it. And you mentioned that. And then that just like clicks some gear in my head. Like, oh yeah, that thing exists. Anyway, we could, we could watch it and uh, talk about it later to uh, see that plot hole. Uh, we'll, we'll make that a, a note to wrap her back around and talk, talk about it next time. What do you think? It'd be good. Okay. So let's continue the story here. There's a big race going on during the race. Tage raises the the bridge and they have to like go over the bridge and that kind of like strikes it out, like kind of screws over to the guys and uh, Suki gets over it and her front front ends all messed up. And she goes, slap that ass <laughs> when she goes over the, um, the bridge and Brian just cheering, having a good time. And of course he wins the race and the cops come and he gets arrested. He doesn't get, he doesn't get away. Right pretty sure no he does not yeah, yeah. They, they end up shooting that like crazy claw thing that ends up screwing up his car oh yeah that 
They, they <laughs> use that throughout this entire movie, and I don't understand the mechanics of it, because it can hit any part of the car, and it just deactivates everything. Yeah, it just, yeah, the gas doesn't work. It, the car just completely shuts down. I don't understand it at all. <laughs> it's like an EMP claw or something. I don't know. So, yeah, they use that, and they, they arrest him, and he goes and meets FBI agent Bilkins and U.S. Custom agent Markham. Which, uh, Markham is, uh, the same actor that plays Dexter's dad from that show. Have you ever seen Dexter? I haven't. No, Lauren's actually a big fan. I've never seen it. Yeah, it's the same exact actor. So every time I see, see him on the screen, I just think of Dexter. But anyway, uh, Bilkins is from the first movie, right? Yep. So the, they task him with going undercover to bring down an Arge- Argentinian drug lord by the name of Carter Verone. In, in exchange, his criminal record will be wiped. And, there's an undercover agent played by Eva Mendes. Her name is Monica mm. Fuentes, and um, she's been undercover with Verone for 11 months, almost a year. They've said that like two or three times in this movie. And Brian agrees he would do it, but he has to bring his buddy along or, you know, a partner he chooses along with him. So who does he choose? He chose Roman. <laughs> <laughs> so they go back to Barstow, which is where Brian and Roman grew up, Roman Pierce. They get there and he's doing like a rally race, yeah. crashing cars and stuff. You find out he has an ankle bracelet on too. He's arrested, but his mobile home's parked close to the to the track. But as soon as Roman <laughs> sees Brian, he fights him. He beats he starts they start rolling around in mud and he tells um Bilkins, Hey, whatever happens, let it happen. And they just start fighting and the guy's just sitting there watching and just smiling, eating a sandwich while they fight it out and have a conversation. He's like, what are you doing here, Brian? What are you doing here? They have a little conversation. He does convince him that uh, he can get the ankle bracelet bracelet off and wipe his, you know, record if he comes along with him to do this mission. So smash cut, they're back at the FBI place. Or it's, it's like a warehouse, right? Like that or like a old office building. It almost looks like like an abandoned diner or something like that. But yeah, it's definitely some warehouse type joint that they're going to. Yeah, so they go there and they each get a badass car to do this mission. They give a Lancer Evolution 7 and then a Mitsubishi Eclipse Spider GTS. And one of them's mm. one of them's uh what's it called? A convertible and then Roman's like, I get the convertible. <laughs> oh hell yeah. Purple too. The first mission they got to do, they got to go meet Verone. So they drive over to. Do they meet up with Eva Mendes first? I, it's kind of hazy for me. Yeah, so she kind of comes out of nowhere and she agrees to kind of join them on their little quest to go to uh, Verone's mansion. And mm. she gets into Brian's car. And of course, Roman's all bent out of shape. Like, what the heck? Why are you going with him? And she's like, you get the convertible. He gets the girl. It only seems fair. <laughs> <laughs> she likes, and of course, she gets in the car and they drive off. I feel like she has a lot of fun in the in her role in this. I know she just kind of plays, oh, I'm a hot lady, kind of. But she actually does a lot of stuff, like decent acting. And it just seems like she's having a good time uh, with her role. Mm-hmm. And so they drive over to there. And basically, he Verone comes out. He's kind of like a Bond villain. You know, he's kind of very, he's so stereotypical drug lord, you know. He really is. Kind of like a Matthew McConaughey wannabe, you know, really slick jet black hair, He's thin. He looks really cool. But yeah, he's definitely like the stereotypical villain you see in like the early 2000s movies. He chews the scenery a lot, but he does a pretty good job. 
yeah, we have him. He's there. He's he's kind of looking pissed off. Like he's all, pretty much this entire movie. He has like one, like two modes, like pissed off and then like crazy. That's about it. So yeah. he's like, okay, I need you guys to go to his vacant lot. Uh, my car got repossessed and you need to get something out of it. And there's a bunch of racers there to get the thing out of the car. So they have a big race. And of course, the FBI guys think that uh, they're trying to run, you know, because they're just two guys. They're trying to, you know, expunge a record. So they just think they're trying to run. And this is where they find out there's GPS in the cars, too, because they get to the spot. And basically, Tyrese did not blow his cover. Tyrese, did I say his real name there? <laughs> Roman. Roman. Uh, Roman uh, decides to say, you know, just grab a gun and start shooting them just blindly. So to not blow their cover, you know, and. Uh, they end up getting the thing out of the glove compartment of the car, driving back, winning it, of course. And they find out it's just a cigar and a cigar cutter because that's the type of guy. But I wonder about that though in the the uh, I guess the car pounding lot or the car impounding lot is that they both park their car, both Brian and Roman. They get out and Roman walks up looking all tough. He like rips his shirt oh, off, yeah. wraps his arm up, and then like bashes the window in. And then Brian just walks up. And unlocks the car because it was it was unlocked the whole time. <laughs> Roman just looks at him like, ah, what the heck? And then as they walk away, Brian's like, put your blouse back on and get in the car. <laughs> I think that he just wanted to show off his uh, physique. He's jacked, you know. Yeah. Anyway, so they have a conversation with them. And of course, uh, I can't think of forgetting her actual name. It's Monica Fuentes. I'll just say Fuentes yeah. for this purposes. Fuentes is there and uh, they have a conversation like, oh, I need you to to move something for me, move move cash for me and take it to my private jet. OK, and then they're driving away and they go back to Tej's garage and they decide, hey, we need to find another way out. We need more cars because they f- find out that the cars are low jacked because the mechanic was going through. He's like, dude, w- what's the line is like, this is the most wired I've ever seen a car. It's like you could find. Anybody could find you, and it's like wired into the actual like engine. So Jimmy's like, these are wired so hot that every time you're not wearing your seatbelt, they're gonna know about it. Yes, that's <laughs> the exact line. I had, I was like, I knew he said some kind of quip. I wasn't sure what it was, but yeah, they they're looking at it. Uh, of course, they're at Ted's garage. He has this like big garage, and uh, Roman gets introduced introduced to him for the first time. And you know, there's like a jet ski competition going on, and just it just looks like a big party and like a good time, you know. So they decide to race for pinks to uh, get, you know, two new cars from like these. I don't know where they find these people. Did they really even explain that? Like those two guys? Well, yeah, so originally, remember when they're doing the race to get this package in Verone's car, they're two of the guys that are part of that whole line of cars racing to oh, get okay. this potential job. And for whatever reason, those are the two Joe Schmoes that they're just like, we're going to race you two guys for your two muscle cars. Roman's always just like, Come on, Fabio, because one of the guy kind of kind of looks a little bit like Fabio. He keeps calling him that. So this race is actually a really fun little like roundabout like tag team race. I actually think this one's so much. It was like one of the more fun races in the entire movie. So they basically do one person goes to a spot, goes around like this oil drum or whatever, and then comes back and then the other person does it. And whoever of the two people, you know, wins, you know what I mean? Fastest around. Yeah. yeah. Tag team race. Yeah, tag team race. And the 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 thing is, is they're muscle cars and they're like way faster, but they kind of outsmart them a bit. Like when when Roman comes back around, he hits a sign into the other guy. And then when Brian does it, he basically plays chicken with the guy and he's just like super stoic, just 
I am not going to move. And the guy just like runs off the road and that's how Brian gets the upper hand there. Very entertaining race there. And then they get the cars and they're on their way. One of my favorite shots in this scene too is at the very end, you know, Roman's like, better use your bus tokens, buddy. And then like they drive away. But then the shot of Fonzie and then his little buddy with the long hair and he's wearing like sunglasses and it's like pitch black at night. And they're two like little babes or whatever. He's just like looking off the distance. It almost looks like a terrible Backstreet Boys album cover with like the way the guys just look so distraught and depressed because he lost the race. It's so ridiculous. It's corny, but hey, a lot of this movie is corny, but that it just adds to it, man. We embrace the corny. Yes. In this movie, watching this scene and scenes like this where it's just over the top, th- that's when the grin comes in for me. I'll just be just just having a blast watching it. So, yeah, I love that. And so what was the next part that happens? Is that the VIP torture scene part? Yeah. So basically this is when they go to the, they meet uh, Verone at the club. Cause they ended up saying, you know, meet me at the midnight Paris club or whatever. Basically when they first meet him, he tells them to meet him at the club and they go into this club. And the first thing Roman says is there's a, was it a lot of opportunities here? Is that one of the quotes? A lot of opportunities here. Like all these like really scampy, scampy dressed women are just walking around. And then that's when they kind of run into, you know, Ava Mendez's character, Monica. Uh, the, the interior design for this club, like just because I've seen this movie so much, I just start noticing little details like this. I was like, who designed the way this club looks? It just like looks so tacky. You know what I mean? I don't know. It just it looks so bad. But anyway, they see uh, Monica and she walks up to Brian and they're kind of like flirting a little bit. And of course, Roman's not too happy about that. He's like, oh my God, because he's just like rolling his eyes. And then in the distance, they see Verone. He's over there. He's like, dude, he's over there. Roman's like, he's over there. He's like, where? He's like, right there. And then he's just like over there looking really crazy, like his eyes beady and like looking at them. So he's like, come on, come on. He like brings, waves him over. And then they have a conversation. And he's like, he gets right in Brian's face. Like they go into like this back room area. He gets right in Brian's face and goes, she's beautiful, isn't she? And then, like, they're just, like, both staring at each other for a little while for a beat or so. And then Brian's like, yeah, she's gorgeous. And he's like, okay, man, you got some guts. I I, I, I can respect that. <laughs> and then uh, they have, like, that little exchange between him and Roman where Roman's like, oh, I don't like authority. And he's like, yeah, the thing I don't like is cops. And then, of course, the camera zooms in on both Eva Mendes's face and Brian's face for, like, a second when they say that. And then he also looks off into the club. Verone and sees like is this actor looks familiar to me do you know what he's from do you know what he's from yeah so he for for some reason i feel like he was well actually he's in 30 days of night which is a vampire movie set in like alaska with josh hartnett but he was also in sons of anarchy for like a number of seasons okay that's probably where i've seen him because that was one of those shows that was like in the background like i never watched it myself but my my mom and stepdad loved that show so i feel like every time i went over there they were watching that for a while so that's probably where I've seen him. He's talking to this lady. He's like, watch in five minutes. She can have whatever she wants. And then he's like, watch it, watch. And then she takes him. She's like, oh, I like your hair. And like takes him away. And he's like, see, see <laughs> like that. And then it, and then it is like, okay, we got to do some, some important business. And then they start walking down this like really weird, tacky design hallway. And then they go to like this back warehouse room and uh, they bring that guy in with the girl and lay him down on the table and start torturing him. 
It's which, one of the weirdest scenes in probably in all of the Fast and the Furious films. It seems so out of place. Like, I understand they're trying to instill fear, not only in Brian and Roman, but also, like, the audience. Like, oh, man, this guy means serious business. But, like, for someone to think of, like, putting this guy on a table and then taking a bucket with the rat, flipping it on his chest, and then heating it up, and he's like, you know what rats do when they feel heat? They find the exit or whatever, and all they can do is go south. And so, like, yeah, they go just, south. Yeah, this guy just starts freaking out because he's like has a freaking like, uh, uh, what is it, a torch that he starts like, yeah, blowtorch. Yeah, blowtorch. He starts blowtorching the bucket on this guy's stomach, and the rat just starts scratching the hell out of his belly. Yeah, and he's screaming and screaming. So the whole purpose of this like torture and everything, he's trying to get a fifteen minute window so that. Brian and uh, Roman can get away with the money pretty much. So without any cop interference or anything like that, because they know this sting is going to go down no matter what the cops kind of know this is going to happen. They're all over the city in disguise. They show that later on. So he's trying to get that 15 minute window so he can get his money and get the hell out of there, you know, and not get caught and arrested or anything like that. So that whole scene plays out. Uh, The cop agrees to do it. He threatens his family, which was of course, Big bad villain. He's going to threaten his family. Uh, he's like, yes, yes, I'll do it. I'll give you the window. And they let him go and, you know, throw his shirt at him. And he has, like, cuts and stuff all over his stomach from the rat biting it and stuff. And what's the next scene? Can they go back to Tej's garage? Um, yes. And this is when they're followed, right, by the two guys? And he puts the light, the fluid on his window? I think that was actually earlier. That's when they first meet. Tej and then because Brian's like uh hey don't look but you see that Cadillac over there and then Roman comes out of nowhere and was just like oh what does he say because I wrote it down he's like alien infidel que pasa and then he just starts like here you need your window cleaned and then he just starts start spraying it and he's just like or he has the uh the lighter and he just like throws it or whatever yeah that I uh, see this is the thing with the plot I'm gonna miss little scenes like that but that scene is very memorable to me I don't know why I think it's just the way he like acts He's just so like you said. It's amazing. He he does that does that line, and he's just like so insane. The guys just look so pissed off. Like, what is this dude doing? You know. So that was the scene before they go to the club, right? I think. Yes. Yeah. So I, I just missed that scene there. Anyway, after the club, they go back to Ted's garage, and they're all there, like playing cards and stuff. And uh, Brian starts hatching this plan to get out of this whole situation he 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 goes with tej and they find like this garage you don't really know what they're going to do with it and they start talking about you know having other things and he's like do you have nos you know they're like souping up their cars like do you have nos he's like he's like what do they call it squirt they put squirt in the car i forget what it what they keep calling it in this one i don't even remember yeah I don't yeah even i think they call it squirt i was like i think I, we already put some squirt in your car he's like yeah but if you have a half empty thing of Nos, there's something else I can do with it. Just like foreshadowing later events. And yeah. they're souping up the cards and stuff. Uh, those uh, muscle cars. So Monica shows up at Brian's uh, house and says, they're going to kill you after this is happening. And then the two henchmen show up too. And he's like, go distract them, Roman. And Roman just starts messing with them. And hey, what's up, SA? You know, just doing his whole his whole thing. And... um. There's a lot of really funny quips here. Do you have any? 
Well, one of them, I remember, he looked at the the bald headed guy and he's like, man, if I was making that kind of money, I'd get that mole removed off my face, you know? <laughs> yeah, and he's like, he's like, talk, he's like, you got the, got the silk shirt, you got that spaghetti ha- hair hanging out of your chest, <laughs> chest hair hanging out, you know? <laughs> just fucking with him. So yeah, I mean, um, while he's distracting him, Monica gets out of the situation and she's, she's, she's gone. Um, so they go in there and, uh, what does Brian do? Did they, they provoke him somehow and they got guns to their head. Right. And then they get the guns back on him. Like, how does he provoke? Well, they're both kind of like being held at gunpoint here by one of them while the bald headed dude kind of searches the place. Monica gets out the top and then I think Roman punches one of them. He's kind of in a scuffle with him. And then Brian turns on the other guy, gets the gun pointed at his head and he says, I'll shoot. But the other guy of course has Roman held up and then they're freaking out. There's literally like a two minute exchange of Paul Walker just screaming till the veins are like pulsating in his forehead before <laughs> the scene moves forward. And, um, uh, Carter's like, everyone yeah. stop, stop, just shut up, just shut up. As he, you know, randomly comes out of nowhere. And it was just like, it was such a weird choice to film the scene as long as they did. Because if you go back and watch, I mean, literally for like a minute straight, it's just Paul Walker screaming, like, I'll shoot him. I'll shoot him. I'll get it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Yeah. And then it cuts back and forth between them. Yeah. It, I think they could probably could have cut a little bit of the fat out there, but yeah. Uh, so this is where basically Verone's like, okay, these two guys are going to ride with you for this mission. Right. So mm-hmm. this exactly. pretty much, pretty much uh, uh, set that in stone and uh, they go to the big mission. That's the next part. Uh, they have the cars. They're going to go get the money and uh, the cops are, they show like the scene of like a bunch of undercover cops, like all over the place, right? Like just quick, like flashes. And then the other guys in like riot gear going to like the airstrip airfield, because that's um, where Verone's supposed to show up with the money so they can get him. Right. So they got, exactly. yeah, they got Brian and, um, and Roman, they're going over to like this trailer park with the two guys in the cars. And, the two guys get out with sledgehammers and they go in there and they start sledgehammering the wall. And there's like a guy in there that was most, most likely watching the money. He takes like a, a duffel bag with him of money of, uh, of course. And they go in there, they start throwing the money in bags, bagging it up, throwing it in, throwing it in the cars. And then they cut to the guy that got tortured. And of course everybody, they, they do keep going to the police. Like, Oh, it's clear over. It's clear, you know, to everybody. And the last guy is like, don't go until I say to, you know, and then he's looking at pictures of his family on his mantle, just like stressing out and stuff. And then they keep cutting back and forth between the money. And then that, that guy over and over again, until finally he's like, just go in, go now, go as fast as you can, whatever. And so the police start pouring in to this whole entire situation. And, uh, as soon as they hear police sirens, it takes a while too. I notice at this part, like they hear sirens and they're just like looking around like, huh? 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 <laughs> And then Brian just goes, police, <laughs> like that. And then they get in the car, and then Roman comes out, and he kind of jumps into his convertible for a minute, and then he thinks for a second. He's like, hold on, hold on, just wait a second. He grabs a rock, goes to this car that has the keys in, in the ignition already for some reason, this truck, and then turns yeah. on the truck and puts the rock on the on the accelerator uh, pedal in that thing just crashes into a, co- a cop car and then Brian just laughing like, okay, that works. And then they just Whatever. take off. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> ensues this gigantic police chase, like a huge convoy of police, like just like 
I don't even know how many, 30 to 40 police cars, you know, all, all practical sense too. All this is practical, which is really appreciated in this style of movie. And you can really notice if it wasn't practical, but yeah, yeah. you can, they also had a, a helicopter going around They're They're driving on the highway. There's police following them. And then this helicopter comes around with the more of those freaking EMP claws and shoots Brian's <laughs> car. <laughs> and, um, the car starts fritzing out. You know, he's 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 like, hold the wheel, hold the wheel. He starts leaning out of the car, trying to pull this claw out. And it has like this, like, I don't understand this. I still don't understand the claws. This is like one of the weirdest things of this movie to me. Like, I I know it, it moves the plot forward and it just doesn't make any sense because it hits the side, like the side of the door. And somehow that just ruins everything in the car. Like everything's fritzing out and stuff. I don't know. Yeah. If it was a more classic car, would it do the same thing? Because it doesn't have all the electronics? I don't know. You know? It, yeah. And the other reason, too, is, like, whenever they shoot it, there's, like, these three steps that need to happen. So, like, when they shoot it, they, the shot goes back to the police officer, and he's, like, standing or sitting in the helicopter, and it's, like, two of them went off, but the other one didn't. And they're, like, why is it not working? And that's, of course, when Brian's trying to, like, rip it out with his superhuman strength, while this guy <laughs> who doesn't know how to drive a car is, like, holding the wheel, while Paul Walker, st- Brian, still has his, like basically big toe on the accelerator and he's like driving in the middle of the grass like between the two different <laughs> highways yeah. and again it makes no sense because he's going like 30 miles per hour at this point while there's like probably three dozen cop cruisers behind him that are probably going like 70 to 80 miles per hour but brian for like probably two to three miles goes 30 miles per hour they because movie they plot. don't do anything yeah <laughs> yeah some plot armor or whatever there and then of course he gets a claw out and then they drive uh over to that warehouse that we saw earlier in the film and they go into the warehouse there's like of course two of them are open out of like a bunch of doors right and then all the cops are there surrounding this warehouse and then these giant trucks with like grills on the front come out and just push all the cop cars out and this is called the scramble. All the cars start coming out. They're just like, go, 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 go. And there's just like a million cars coming out, pouring out of this giant freaking warehouse. And of course, it's a distraction technique so they could switch to the other cars, which is it's, it's pretty like you can see it coming a mile away, what they're trying to do once you see the scramble happen. But then they cut to the cars and they're following, um, you know, the two cars that they were following initially, which are the ones that are supposedly have Brian and Roman in, in them. They follow them to like this beach and then who gets out, but Tej and Suki. And they're just like waving like that. (laughs) (laughs) And of course the, the guy, uh, the FBI guy back at the station, he's like, where are they? What the hell? You know? And at the same time, the other guy, the guy from Dexter, which uh, I said already, uh, he is over there waiting to, you know, jump in on this airstrip. And he's like, let's go, let's go, let's go. They go in there and Verone's not there. It's not Verone. It's some other guy that kind of doesn't really look like him at all, but has sunglasses and black hair. So um, he's like, okay, where is he too? You know, like what the hell? No one's here. No one's where we expected them to be. So then it cuts back to Brian and Roman in the muscle cars that we've seen them soup up and win the pinks for earlier in the movie. And I think this might be my favorite scene in the movie just because of the way Roman acts. He's like, Hey man, how's it going? You know, he's like, he's like teasing him. Like he's like, this car can do all sorts of cool things. You want to see <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite features? <laughs> the guy, what are you talking about? 
Yeah, and then he undoes his seatbelt and then slams his head into the freaking uh, dashboard like multiple times. And then he goes, you can say the line if you want. He clicks the button and he says, Ejectocito, cuz! <laughs> <laughs> and then you see the car, the, the seat fly out of the car. Cause, so this is what Brian was saying with that half a tank of NOS to do, you know, to shoot it out. Because NOS does everything. It, it It's a very... Um, useful material in the Fast and the Furious universe. Nas does a lot of things. <laughs> so they launched out the seat and the guys in the, in the lake like looking all pissed off. And then this is happening the same time as the B-plot with the cops and the FBI people. So they find out that he's not there. But Brian doesn't know that, of course, because he's running with, uh, with Roman and the cash. And he has the button in his hand and he's talking to the guy. He's like, Take that exit right there. He's like, I thought we were going to the airstrip. He's like, no one said nothing about an airstrip. So, you know, of course, he doesn't push the button and they go off to like this other area. They, I don't even know. It was like a beach where the, there's this giant. It's like a basically a mini yacht, little boat type situation. The uh, Verone's there and this, and uh, of course, Eva Mendes is there, Monica. And he finds out that she's a cop because no one knew about an airstrip nobody but you you know so he he pretty much makes her get on the boat and so they have walkie talkies this whole time i should mention so that's how they can talk which i noticed later on in the fast and the furious that sometimes it feels like they don't like have a walkie talkie but they're still somehow talking between cars he's like yeah roman you got to get off on this exit so he meets up with them there and he basically takes the money and has a shotgun and uh He's going to go kill the two. He has the two henchmen or the other henchmen, right? Go, yes, go. the bald headed one, because Verone's basically just like, kill him, you know, get rid of him. Yeah. And so he gets in the car with Brian and starts kind of driving away with a giant SUV behind him. And then, of course, Roman comes out of nowhere and says, it's about to get ugly. And he just like, of course, rams the guy in the back. And then he gets out of the car, pulls the bald headed guy out of the car. And then they just beat the holy hell out of this guy. Like they just start like curb stomping his face and just kicking him and punching him in the <laughs> face. And I mean, it's yeah. way over the top. And then they finally like bust back out they run they see of course that the yacht of course is taken off at this point and even eva mendez has like this weird face or monica her character it's almost like this like helpless like she waves at him or something like that like help me like this weird damsel in distress type situation but of course yeah, yeah it, it kind of reminds me of uh super mario world with bowser with princess peach like yeah <laughs> which is weird because she's never seemed like a helpless damsel distressed kind of girl she seems like super independent like i can carry my own weight and do what i need to do to survive type of thing but this is like the one crying out for help moment um and then yeah. that's of course when uh brian and roman get back in the car and one of the craziest scenes in the fast and furious yeah so pretty much he, he, they're they're going back and forth they're bantering back and forth like they've been doing the whole movie because you know they're buddies at this point, they're like best buds again, you know, back to like old school style, like when they were kids or whatever. So they see the the, the yachts going and they're like keeping like pace with the, the yacht, basically speed wise. And then Roman looks over. He's like, you're not thinking of doing what I think you're doing. He's like, yeah, man, it's going to be crazy. You know, they're going back and forth. It's like, yeah, bro, this is going to be nuts. And they just like gun it and it keeps showing like the speedometer go up to like 100, 120, 130, whatever. And he's like going, going, going. And there's like this giant ramp at the end of this. I don't know how he knew this ramp was there. Like conveniently. Yeah, it's just conveniently there. So he hits this ramp. 
cuts out you see him flying through the air they're screaming holy shit you know just flying through the air and then they just crash like horribly like explosion of wood and everything from the yacht and uh Roman's on the top he jumps to the side jumps away so he doesn't get hit roman's in there he's like oh i think i broke my arm brian i think i broke my arm like that and then uh brian starts getting out and then Roman's there with a shotgun and brian just takes a gun and shoots him right in the shoulder instantly and then he drops the shotgun of course and then monica comes up with the shotgun and puts it against his head like we got you it really is how that whole like you know, the climax of the scene takes place. But one of the most wild things about this scene, I mean, of course, nothing about the Fast and the Furious physics wise makes sense. But the fact that their car took off, launched off of this ramp, landed on the top of this yacht, airbags never deploy. And True. Brian just like, seems so like disoriented after the scene, like after his head, in a, a real situation would have hit the wheel so damn hard. He probably would have been completely concussed knocked unconscious but the only thing that happens is roman's just like oh man i think i broke my arm <laughs> and brian just <laughs> you know, whips out a gun and just shoots uh shoots the guy you know with not a second thought love it yeah and it, it did show brian for a second hold his face like uh, but it was like so quick like instantly he was fine you know yeah so he didn't yeah. even have a bloody nose or anything you know like at least put a little bit of like blood pack under his nose or something you know to make it look more realistic yeah. but so yeah, they catch the bad guy, and then the next scene they show like all the guys there, like going into the yacht, you know, arresting Verone, and he he's like shirtless and has like a bandaid on his on his uh, shoulder right there. And Roman's like, "Don't drop the soap in the bathroom, homie." Yeah, and then he <laughs> looks at him and he's like, "I'll see you soon." And then that's when Brian <laughs> has this back and forth, like, "You don't think he's really gonna get out, do you?" you know <laughs> holmes or whatever his name is the freaking dexter dad guy comes up and he's like hey so you held up your end of the bargain and he's like so our records gonna get expunged and he's like yeah pretty much that's what's gonna happen and so roman has a moment of conscience he goes he's like there's three bags of money right he's like yeah i guess and he goes to the trunk and pulls out the other three bags because there were six total he's like yeah here's six total let's count it even you know he's and he's like oh, oh okay uh more evidence take it to the truck and then cue them walking off just talking shit messing around like buddies do and he's like brian's to roman's like hey you're gonna stay on miami right he's like yeah I, i'm kind of liking miami miami's feeling pretty good and too bad we didn't get to keep any of that money he's like oh my pockets ain't empty bro and then and then uh tyrese pulls up his shirt and he has like money stuffed in there he's like ah, yeah <laughs> Oh, and then he's like, oh, let's open up a shop. That's what he said first b before that. So, yeah, Brian's and like, then pretty uh, much we can open a garage together. Right. And, uh, you know, Brian says to him, your pockets aren't empty anymore, cuz. And then that, you know, Roman lifts up his shirt, money everywhere. He's like, <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, my God. I can't believe I didn't remember that line. That's amazing. And pretty much what happens is they walk towards the camera and then it fades to like a CG credits with like badass music amazing, playing. Amazing. Like, you could definitely tell like the director was like, all right, guys, like walk forward now because they're just like, oh, okay. And then they just like walk right in towards the camera. Oh, yeah. So good. Oh, for some reason, when I was watching it, uh, I watched it a couple days ago again. I thought the ending had a freeze frame instead of them walking towards the camera. I thought they were going to say that one last line. We ain't hungry anymore. And then this is going to freeze frame. I don't know if that would have been, that would have suited the movie. I think the, the corniness of it, but yeah. Wow. What a wild ride. So I guess, what are your overall thoughts about this one? Still hold up for you to when you were a kid, listening to the soundtrack and uh, watching it incessantly? 
I love the movie and I love the music. This is one of those ones where I would consider it more of a guilty pleasure type movie. Like it's definitely mm-hmm. not a great movie, but it's just super fun. I think all these kind of are in that category to s- different extents, you know, but this is one I don't mind rewatching. I know a lot of people will say this is the worst in the series. I'm not hundred percent sold on that, especially after rewatching the series a few years ago, like back to back to back from it being kind of a side story with the main character without Vin Diesel and without the family aspect and all that. I think they do a good job in telling a entertaining story with some weird choices, but I do think the movie has a lot of fun action and just so much corniness. It's really hard not to just be, you know, smile in the entire movie. How about you? Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, you know, growing up, I loved it so much, you know, watching it now, I still think it's a really, really good time. I definitely don't think it's the worst movie. I'll definitely share my thoughts about what I think is considered the worst Fast and the Furious later down the line. Um, but I think one of the things that makes this movie so special is certainly Tyrese Gibson playing Roman Pierce. I think the chemistry that Paul Walker and him share on screen is kind of like the perfect follow-up to the really rough, gruff bromance that you see in the first movie with Vin Diesel and Paul Walker. You almost needed something kind of like more lighthearted, really funny, comical, over-the-top crazy to follow up Fast and the Furious, which just is so gritty and just tries to be so serious that I think Too Fast, Too Furious is the first movie that kind of just embraced the crazy. Yeah, and you can see it more and more as they get into the series. They embrace the wackiness and the jokes and the just over-the-top action and over-the-top acting, too, because I I do think the first one, like like you were saying at, at the top, that Vin Diesel thought it was going to be a classic. You know, this is like a very serious movie. And when you get into like Too Fast, Too Furious and Tokyo Drift, like that territory, you start seeing a lot more like, you know, they, they, they're still so serious. There's still a serious plot behind the entire thing. But there's a lot of more caricature style acting, I guess. You know, a little bit more over the top, a little bit more. You could tell the people that are acting the scenes are, are having a good time. So I think that's one of the key components to the series is you can just see the smile on people's faces. Like, yes, this movie I'm, is awesome. I'm happy to be here. And definitely we'll see that with Tyrese in this movie for sure. I think that's why it works so well, because just as much as especially Tyrese Gibson and Paul Walker having a really good time, like their laughs and their chemistry seems so genuine that like as an audience member watching the films, it's like, because they're embracing that and having such a good time playing the roles that they are, it makes it so much easier for us as the audience members to just like embrace how wild the movies are and just laugh along the entire ride, you know? And I think Too Fast, Too Furious does it in strides. And Tyrese Gibson, I think, is probably one of the best casted. Him and Ludacris are one of the two best casting choices for the future of these movies. And Ludacris definitely has some seeds of what he becomes, but later on, he basically becomes like a master hacker. Which I don't really, <laughs> you don't really see that in this movie at all. He's just kind of like no. a cool dude that runs a shop, you know, and has kind of a checkered past and stuff. But yeah, he he becomes basically the the tech whiz later on, which that's cool. It definitely is a really good choice, and he he's very charismatic too. Just generally, I think he has like such a good air about him in this movie. And you know, this movie gets hated on a lot, and I I can see the reason why, but. From the nostalgic, I, I think nostalgia does give me a little bit of rose-tinted glasses for this one. I'm just going to say because I just remember, like, blasting the soundtrack. Like, bl- playing to... What's the game? Need for Speed Underground 2. 
I would turn oh. this I would turn the soundtrack off for that game and then take my old school disc man and put my headphones on listening to that soundtrack and play that game like combined. I just remember that specific memory. Yeah. So I think the music and just remembering all the scenes and quoting them as they happened and, and stuff like that really does affect my opinion on this movie a bit. So if I can pull myself back from that a little bit, critically, the movie is flawed. There's some weird scenes like the rat scene, like we talked about, but I do think this movie is just, just a good time. It's a good, dumb action movie. And uh, that's what kind of what, if you go in with that mindset, you're going to have a blast. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Okay. Before we wind down the show, we're going to do something I lovingly call the rank of the furious. So this is the first time we actually get to do this since it's the second episode. And what we're going to do is as we go through all of these movies and the game and the TV show, everything, we're going to have our own personal ranking right? So as we build our own list, when we get to the final episode of this season, we're going to debate against each other, against our list. So we're going to put our list head to head and our rankings head to head and have a big debate and then decide the ultimate ranking of, of, you know, Fast and the Furious for Box Office Bliss. Sound like fun? Absolutely, dude. I'm, I'm super pumped. Okay. So what is your ranking so far? for the first two movies you know i think talking about the second movie again i just echo my thoughts earlier saying i think it's a really good time i think it's a perfect follow-up to the more gritty first fast and the furious movie um you know i think the chemistry between uh tyrese gibson and paul walker is just a nice comic relief to the first movie between vin diesel and paul walker but i don't know man i can't on good conscience put too fast too furious above one for me you know and i think that's going to be the tough part for me moving forward is certainly with the first movie that kickstarted it at all. It's like, how can I put something above the first movie that, you know, kind of started these whole, this whole crazy franchise. But I think for me, the first movie, um, I just have too fond of memories and just beginning to end. I just think it's, it's the better movie. Um, just because it establishes all these characters, it establishes Paul Walker as Brian O'Connor. And even though Vin Diesel is in the second movie, I think, too Fast, Too Furious completely stands on its own, but just going through the first movie and all of the reasons I, you know, gushed and loved and ranted about it in our first episode, uh, I just still think it's uh, it's the number one spot for me right now. And Too Fast, Too Furious is uh, just slightly behind it right now. Okay, and I'm gonna agree with you on that. That's that's my list so far. So it's gonna be for me one, then two. I do think this movie, like we have plenty of positive things to say about it this entire time, and the story is a lot of fun. But I think as just like a, a, dra- a dramatic movie that has more, I feel like the first movie has a little bit more heart to it. I know this movie is fun and it has, you know, a lot of good comedy and, you know, lots of crazy antics and stuff. But I feel like the first movie just has the Fast and the Furious heart. It really does. It has that family heart. And, you know, with Dominic talking about his dad and, you know, his his past and everything. And then Brian coming to terms with the fact that maybe he doesn't want to be a cop and maybe there's more of a gray gray area all this stuff in that movie has a lot more layers and i feel like the script is more laid out and more interesting to think about and that the dramatic roles and of course it still has corny it's corny but in a different way than this movie's corny but i think that movie all in all is just 
leaps and bounds better than this movie. Just even though we've been gushing this whole time, I I still enjoy this movie quite a bit. But I think Fast and the Furious One is just a decent amount better. So that's my list so far. One then two. Love it. So you guys know our opinion so far on these first two movies. What we want to do is do an episode later down the line called The Family Reunion, which if you listen to the first episode, we were kind of questioning how we wanted to do this because we're recording these in advance. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a bunch of listener feedback. If you guys watch the movies, send in your opinions at the email address boxofficebliss at gmail.com or on our Twitter account at boxofficebliss and just send us a little like what you guys think of the movies. And we're going to have this big episode where we just go through a bunch of user feedback like a user listener feedback not user feedback anyway and uh just (laughs) i I don't know where i got user anyway listener feedback and so we can have kind of a family experience a family reunion uh, if you will um but yeah we're looking forward to doing that in the future because we want to include the audience as much as we can Absolutely. Just as we, you know, kind of pitched in the first episode and the theme of the Fast and Furious movies in general, it is all about family. And so I think it'd be really fun to have little snippet tidbits of people, like whether it's reviews of the whole series or just ranking your favorite movies or maybe just kind of like little, you know, uh, short reviews of each of the movies. Any feedback you want to give us, I think is more than welcome and uh, it'd be a lot of fun to read them here live on the show. Yeah, that's... That's going to be later on down the line, of course, probably. So, I mean, if you send an email in, it takes a month or two for us to get to it. That's because we're saving it for that big episode, just so you know. But anyway, I think that's going to call it an episode today. You want to start rolling into the plugs? I think so. So, again, thank you so much for listening to the Box Office Plus podcast. Josh and I are just getting started. Again, we reviewed Too Fast, Too Furious today. We're excited to review the rest of the Fast and the Furious films and, uh, we're still pitching ideas for season two and beyond. So definitely stay tuned for that. Uh, but you can follow me at Ari Lewis 2011 on Twitter. That's the main uh, social media feed you can find me on. And then uh, Josh, where can the listeners find you? Also listen to the Otaku Brothers podcast when that's going on too. Just so people know. Oh, I appreciate the plug. Yeah, I didn't want to. <laughs> no, you're good. The plug, but, you know. No, you're good. You're good. I was just teasing. Uh, and at Frantic Society for me. And um, I have a bunch of podcasts too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, do you have like a closing line? I do. I'm sorry. I, I didn't know where. I thought you were going to like go and list your podcast. I was just letting you do it. I was just going to let you, you know, plug Indie Quest and Frantic Thoughts and all the good stuff. Uh, they, they could find it. They can find it. <laughs> okay once again everyone thank you so much for listening to box office bliss again if you have any thoughts about the movies you can write in two places our twitter account at box office bliss or the gmail box office bliss at gmail.com we'll be seeing you real soon the tokyo drift review gosh do you have any parting words for listeners i wish that i had the the hulk car from the third movie I really do. And also, you guys, take care. You know, this is coming out near the holidays. You know, hug a loved one when you can. You know, it's been a rough year on a lot of us. Just, you know, take it easy. Try to have some fun and watch these movies along with us. I think you guys are going to have a great time. And we'll catch you in the next episode. See you.
戦争まみれこの街の演奏だまあたまま一度ついておいで世界中魅了するほど行こうかなジャパン一番ジャンプランサーうちらの出番テリヤキボーイズインのプレイスビー見せてやろうリスナル VRP メニメニダイメンズダングレンバックファラマニウィストランガレン Hate me, fry me, bake me, fry me, all the above cause you can't get in I don't want no problem, because me professional Make you shake your cats, thank you, haters take it personal Like a Canada, tight heads out, nail dark, oh, let's go Not notch my money, let's go, hot sun, shkitch my ozo, let's go Let's go, to he level up, on level color, let's go Let's go, 21, go, 22, go, new dark, so let's go, 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 let's go,